praise God. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us on today's online service. We're very grateful that God has given us an opportunity to channel some of his very precious blessings to you. And so take time to call up a friend, family member, let them know that it is time to tune in because the Lord has reserved a very, very special blessing. And let me also take time to mention that um, uh, our children's ministries team has been hard at work and starting the coming week, there will be some very, very special content for parents and, and for children at various ages. And I want you to look forward to this. And I trust that the Lord will expand your level of impact and influence in the community as the Lord chooses to use you as parents and to use the children in the home uh, so that they also can be blessed. Sit back and relax as we enjoy a piece of music that will bless our hearts. chapter 3, as we continue with our series looking at living life God's way, the power of prayer. This is the fourth segment, and we have an opportunity today to look at question of confidence. And so Daniel chapter 3, reading at verse number 8, and then I will uh, move on to uh, a few other verses within the chapter. In verse number eight, the Bible says, at this time, 
some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, um, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And, who's, and that whosoever, whoever rather, does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, the rest of the context we'll catch up with uh, a little later. Let me draw your attention to verse number 17. In fact, let's start at 16. Let me draw your attention to verse number 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. The Lord had blessing to the reading of his word. I want to invite you to a place of prayer with me. Lord, we honor you and thank you for the opportunity that we have to deliver your most holy oracles. I ask now that you will grant us the grace to convey that which you have as an agenda from heaven for all of us as your people. Touch every single watcher and hearer today so that their lives will be able to align and that they would receive the blessing and the mandate, the charge that you have ordained for their lives for this day. We seek these mercies in Jesus' holy name with thanksgiving. Amen. Praise God. Living life God's way, the power of prayer. And in part number four, we're focusing on confidence. This is built around the fact that we've been developing the three benefits of a prayerful lifestyle. And these three benefits are clarity, confidence, and focus. We have dealt with clarity at two levels. After defining it, we went on to make some uh, very uh, important applications by looking at clarity applied. And I will go over a little bit of that today. And that will set us up for considering the question of confidence. Um, when we discussed clarity in the first place, we said when it comes to prayer, we benefit from clarity 
on the basis of the fact that it grants us, it provides us an opportunity to receive direction. And it directly um, aids uh, our ability to be directed and to go in a direction where God can help us to know what to pray for and, as a matter of fact, how to pray for those matters that we discover. We also talked about what to do and what not to do in a situation really depends on the level of clarity that we get, we get from the Lord. And so, in terms of looking back at the passage that we were considering in the last segment, which was Daniel chapter 9, we put it into uh, the context of understanding that Daniel had, had sight of a copy of Jeremiah's recorded prophecy. We believe that that was the case because he was very well informed and he does specifically mention in his record that he looked at the scriptures and the scriptures would have been exactly what he was reading then and that would have also included a copy of um, prophetic detail that was there written prior to his time. And we believe that he relied heavily on the record of uh, Jeremiah's prophecy, which was predicting the length of Jer Jer Jerusalem's desolation. Now, that's necessary for us to note because Daniel specifically made reference to that record in chapter 9. And he understood that record, got the clarity that he required, and then began to act. We observe that Daniel must not only have had access to Jeremiah's prophecy, but also most likely had access to uh, the vision and record of um, uh, Isaiah's prophecy. And this would have been happening um, during the time that he was now seeking God for that understanding. Nebuchadnezzar, of course, acted as one of those uh, kings that was so full of just what he could accomplish on his own. And he was bent on fulfilling that desire. In the process, God overruled everything that Nebuchadnezzar planned to do against God's people. And the plan of God was still effected. And it is in those kinds of moments that you need the, the sense of clarity that when there is so much happening around you, orchestrated by, so, so to say, movers and shakers of the time. Some of them may be political figures. Others may be leaders in, in, uh, in particular sectors of, um, of the society. And then when they, they are newsmakers and they influence a lot of people and they're influencing public opinion, sometimes as a child of God, you get so intimidated that you're not sure what to do. But this is why the power of prayer that provides for us the clarity that we need from the Lord then becomes our resource. And through that, we can be able to cut through the dross. We can cut through the confusion. We can cut through the influencers and all their opinions. And we can do exactly what God wants us to do. Daniel, we have shown, was a good example 
of that. He was aware of what was happening around him. He interpreted literally the 70 years that Jeremiah had predicted. He saw the actual impending end of the desolation of Jerusalem. And so he moved in to give direction to God's people. It is my prayer that for your space, in your time, in your given circumstances, there will be that much clarity in your life as you pray and seek help from God that you will act accordingly. And as you do so, that those who are near you and around you and those whom you have a chance to impact and influence will gain because you listened. Daniel benefited the entire uh, community, the entire nation. His understanding of that literal fulfillment of what God had ordained brought hope to so many. And if you read on in the book of Daniel, you'll get to understand how real that is. So I want you to notice that the fact that he was so sure of what was happening and the fact that he had now gained clarity did not cause him to step back from the utilization of prayer. He observed the fact that prayer was still an important tool, facet, and channel in order to actualize, to actualize what God had already ordained. And in this case, what was already guaranteed because it was prophesied. Once something is prophesied, it's guaranteed. The normal human approach would be to sit back and say, well, since it's prophesied, it will come to pass. But no, Daniel, in that level of clarity of knowing that these things were about to pass, retreated even further into the posture of prayer, specifically petitioning God and saying, Lord, I have now understood, so now bring it to pass. And that should be the way that we respond. All said and done, we summarized our teaching under two very important truths to consider. Number one, the fact that as we obtain clarity from the Lord, it enables us to have actionable spiritual intelligence. That is to say, you gain an understanding of things to come. Where God says, helps you to know exactly, or at least to some measure, some of what is about to happen. Based on that intelligence, raw knowledge coming from the Lord, facts, data, placed into your hands as a believer. And God does that intentionally so that he empowers you to be able to act now to carry out his mandate. And I shared a personal experience um, within our own ministry that in this particular case I was able to illustrate benefited not just our church or our community, but the entire nation. God took time to share that detail. And when God does that, you must know that he means business. And I want you to know that actionable spiritual intelligence is your portion. It's provided for so that you can do God's work and you can be able 
to succeed. The second truth we observed is the fact that once we've gained clarity, it does help us to sustain prophetic precision. So actionable spiritual intelligence really goes hand in hand with uh, prophetic precision. Because once you've got the clarity and you have the uh, spiritual information from the Lord that is actionable, meaning you can act upon it, make some decisions, and move on, it becomes important to observe that that now sets you as God's uh, son and daughter, and as God's child, to be able to apply the things you have seen, the things that uh, God has placed in your hands, in order to do his work. So then, you can act precisely, forth-telling, and in some cases, foretelling, because that's what prophetic intervention is about. In prophetic intervention, God enables us to foretell, to speak into a circumstance with precision and accuracy. That's the prophetic precision I am talking about. And God wants to continue to use his children in these areas. And do not let anyone make you think that this is, this is something reserved for just people who carry a title. Yes, I believe in, in, in people being able to uh, carry a title such as a prophet today and to function. But being a prophet is more than just carrying a title. It is the functionality. And I want you sons and daughters of the Lord to understand that as an accountant, as a doctor, as a lawyer, as a teacher, as a businessman, as a businesswoman, you can carry out acts that are charged into your plate and into your life by the Lord. You can act with prophetic precision in those areas. And this is not to take away the fact that God will use people that he has called and assigned to work in these areas to be able to help communities and nations to hear prophetically from the Lord. But you see, this thing has been taken out of, out of so much proportion. It's taken out of many, many normal contexts for the believer to have faith that they, you as an ordinary believer, can act with prophetic precision in the area where God has placed you. And that is why today I'm happy that we'll be dealing with the question of, of confidence because this is how this uh, arrangement works. So let's pause now and, and go back to the verses that um, we highlighted. In verse number 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know. That's, that's a very serious question. Even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. The question of confidence. Confidence is described in the English dictionary 
as you know, I keep saying, this is the path I've chosen to take for these words, just to go to the basic meaning. It is taken in the English dictionary to mean, and I caught the feeling or belief that one can have faith in or rely on someone or something. Now, in the context of our teaching, we're talking about confidence or belief in the Lord, in God himself. It has everything to do with the exercise of faith, which we know from the Bible is described as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Hebrews chapter 11 is definitely the best place and point of departure in this area. In Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 35 says, do not throw away your confidence, um, which has great reward. And then, of course, um, the writer to the Hebrews then branches into what we know as chapter 11 today um, and begins to talk about faith being a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So there's a linkage in that narrative of the aspect of confidence with the, um, the, the, the truth of faith because those two are connected. The, the consideration of confidence as, as a principle on its own draws attention to um, us having to consider hope as well. As you notice, faith is a substance of things hoped for. So you can't discuss confidence without reflecting on faith, without reflecting on hope, because all this is built around one central arrangement. And the moment we discuss hope, we must be thinking about the present, we must be thinking about the future, and we must be thinking about uh, situations that come and temper with how we are placed for today regarding the things that we hope for, how we are blessed for today, regarding the things that we desire to see happen. So how we respond in those circumstances matters. Our passage in Daniel chapter 3 is one where the very confidence of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was challenged in the sense that, as we read in the narrative, the king had made a decree, and everybody was supposed to respond in um, obedience to be able to serve and bow down to uh, the, the king's demands. And in this case, the king's demand had to do with worshiping an idol, a gold image that he had set up. The people around who were watching for uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and were simply waiting to see what they would do in this case, because they knew that they stood for the Lord and that their confidence was in no one else but the Lord himself, went and reported to the king. We all know the story. And so in verses 16, 17, and 18, there is the response where they have been told that if they do not uh, obey, they would be taken and thrown into the furnace of fire. Their confidence was tempered with. And their situation as at that very moment was now requiring that they state whether they would back off from their belief in the Lord, the hope of the Lord delivering them or not. And that is what they are, they, they are addressing 
in verse number 17. So they say, if, we, if you throw us into this furnace, we believe that the Lord is able to rescue us. In other words, they were saying, we have confidence that the Lord will rescue us. But then they went on further to say, but even if he does not, we still will not bow. In other words, our confidence in God is still unhindered, will still remain unhindered. Beloved, there are circumstances and situations of life that bring worry, that bring fear, that cause despair, that cause discouragement, that cause depression, and situations that cause confusion. And that is why, once we've discussed clarity as we have done, the next level is that the clarity you gain from the Lord actually boosts and builds your confidence so that even if circumstances change and you're now looking to the Lord for clarity for the next level, your confidence has grown. And I'm trusting that this is what you've been waiting for today, for the situation that you face. There are two things to consider. In, and in my own personal life, over these many years of ministry, I've come to observe that as believers, it is very easy for us to prepare for a wonderful and the very best of outcomes as we put our confidence in the Lord. And that should be the case, as I will illustrate. That should be the case because that is the plan and the level at which we live. We know that come rain, come sunshine, whatever the circumstance, God will still work on our behalf. That's our confidence. But I found out that we do not do as well in preparing for an outcome that is probably contrary to our own expectation or even contrary to the expectation of those who are around us. So that when you now survey and look at the scenario and you look at the situation, you're so discouraged, you're not sure how to respond, and you actually get even more discouraged because now you're thinking, what do the people that know that I believe in God now think about my circumstance? What's in their thoughts? What are they thinking about me? Sometimes we even worry and say, what are they thinking about God? You know what? That should not be your worry. God sorts himself out. God is self-contained. He's all sufficient. We shouldn't be worrying about what people may be thinking about God. We should simply be thinking of how we can lift ourselves in that situation, gaining from the clarity that we've gained from the Lord, applying that to our situation, and knowing that God made things that clear by sharing spiritual intelligence with us so that we can now get up and act. And I am praying that today you will have the confidence to get up and act. So two things that I want us to consider. First, a preparedness for the best outcomes. Second, a preparedness for the worst outcomes. This is to do with outcomes in life. How do you best prepare for the best of outcomes? That's easy, I must say. Easy because that is really what we all desire to do. When we see some adverse circumstance, 
we immediately want to believe God for the best outcome. And I want you to know that this is what God has ordained for us as his children. That we can look at the situation, admit that it doesn't really present itself in the fashion that we are desiring, but believe in faith that he will help us. So we can think in terms of three ways that this happens. Number one, provision. Number two, protection. Number three, preservation. Whenever you are in a situation where God is allowing you to trust him, he may be giving you an opportunity to trust him for provision in a circumstance where what you were expecting to have, the job you were hoping you would hold on to, is taken away because of the circumstances in which you find yourself. You can trust God for provision. In this particular case, Daniel and his friends were saying in verse number 17, we believe God can provide the protection that we need and the preservation we desire. Meaning, they were saying, throw us in the fire. God will provide protection. And God will preserve our lives. So those things were well outlined. That also means, my beloved, that in your particular circumstance, in these days when we're dealing with a pandemic and so much is happening, you may already be at a place where a loved one has been impacted or even infected by COVID-19. And you may have been wondering, Lord, what is happening? What is going on? And as you look at the rest of the family and the rest of the loved ones that you know, I want you to know that even though you have those close by you who have been affected already, it is still possible for you to believe God for the provision of protection and for preservation. And there are scriptures all around, including the one of the most important ones that we've been emphasizing so far, Psalm 91, where God can actually preserve you and protect you from um, contracting a disease, and we know that that is so. So here, these three Hebrew boys trusted God, provision, protection, and for preservation. Meaning, they were prepared for the best of outcomes. And this is the plane, like I said earlier, where we live daily. May I remind you that in your daily living, as you live in faith, and trust in the Lord. Let your faith arise. Let your confidence grow. God is able to do far exceeding abundantly above that which you can think or imagine. Meaning, even as we see the situation more or less getting worse, so, so to say, you can still expect the best of outcomes. This is this is wonderful to prepare for. I want you to be able to gather your family and loved ones and help them to know that God is our provider. I've often quoted Psalm 20 and verse number 7. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. The challenge with believing in the best of out, for the best of outcomes it is when you begin to trust too much in what you have on your hands. 
when you begin to trust too much in what you know is readily available for you. So the situation to, to refer to here would be like if you've had a job. I've often taught and said that when you have a job, usually, even though you're praying, you sort of have this guarantee that you're working anyway. At the end of the month, there's a paycheck. So it's nice and easy. And although you're praying, it's, you're saying, well, I am working and I have a paycheck. So nice and easy to believe for the best of outcomes. But when you lose that job, I've heard people say, you know, now I'm living by faith. Well, how were you living before? The question is that even when all is going well, believing for the best of outcomes means that even what you have must be seen and placed in the hands of the fact that it is God who is providing for you. You don't begin to live by faith only when things are adverse, even though I'll be coming to the talking about the preparedness for the worst of outcomes. So you can put that in the Lord. Do not trust in your job and your money and your investments. Uh, trust more in the Lord. That's where confidence must lie. When, when the Bible is reminding us about some trusting in chariots, it's, it's, it's making sure that you and I turn away from the things that we see and handle, which of course are from the Lord, but sometimes we misplace that ourselves by putting too much attention on our intellect, what we can do with our hands. COVID-19, at least in this one sense, has helped people around the world to realize that systems fail. That there are things we have no control over. That there are certain things that can fall apart to an extent where we have nothing else but to retreat and realize that there are some things we cannot control. So may God be able to help you in this area. Let me lead us to what is probably harder to handle. And that is preparedness for the worst of outcomes. There's been an overstretching of teachings in this area. Where people think that if something adverse is happening in your life, then there's something wrong with your faith. If, as it has been in this particular season... You get a, a person or a family that knows the Lord. They know the Lord and maybe they've been infected by COVID-19. You can't get up and begin to say, oh, there's something wrong with their lives. That, that, that unfortunately has gone on in so many aspects of our lives. And that is not right. Because when you have something adverse happening, God has ways of wanting to turn that around so that he can still be God. But how do you prepare for that? This is where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego bring to us something extremely powerful. Because they said, our God is able to deliver us. But even if he does not. Can you get to that place, beloved, where you can rest and say, I'm expecting the best of outcomes, but even if the best of outcomes does not come, I will still put my confidence in the Lord. 
I will still put my trust in the Lord. I think of Habakkuk and how he prayed and looked at so many things that were happening. And he cried to God and said, how long? And in chapter 3, he was able to say, though the fig tree shall not blossom. That's what I'm talking about, beloved. Where you as a believer can face the fact of a circumstance around you not changing. Even if you have prayed and fasted, that it should change. Can you live with the circumstance not changing and still trust that God is God and still have confidence in him? This is what I would like to convey today. Because I tell you, beloved, it's easier said than done. And I'm trusting that as you hear this message today, God will begin to remodel your heart to be at a place where you can realize that he has not neglected you, but he's putting you at a level where he wants you to be able to say that even if he didn't do what you have so fervently prayed that he should do, you and I can still put our confidence in him. Preparedness for the worst of outcomes when your confidence in God is challenged. May God lead you and guide you and help you. I want to go back to Daniel, specifically looking at his person in chapter 6. The three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, show in their response that their confidence in God was unwinning and fading and deterred. He did not falter. Can we be at that place? Some people have made it projected as if God is only God when somehow he answers all our prayers in accordance to what we are desiring. I say no. He remains God even in moments when you and I have prayed and asked him to shift some things and he chooses not to. God must see me getting ready to say, Lord, even if you don't shift this circumstance, you remain God. Though the fig tree shall not blossom, as Habakkuk said. And even if he does not come and deliver us, as the three Hebrew boys said. That's a circumstance of preparing, even for the worst, of what may be uh, an outcome that you are perplexed with. So in Daniel 6, we have the famous, oh infamous, den of lions. In verse number 1, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps 
by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now, what we know today as the pull him down syndrome is not something that's just happening in our time. It was there in Daniel's time too because of the following. In verse number four, at this time, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. This is the infamous PhD, pull him down syndrome. There are times that God allows his sons and daughters to rise and to, to excel exceptionally. And it is amazing how our society responds when people are rising. And beloved, you may be one of those in your field of profession, in your career world where you are excelling, but your friends around you, your peers are not happy. And as you're excelling, they decide to do something. Even in your workplace, a bad report is done against you. Falsifications are done against you. Now, it may be a situation where you were even praying that you don't lose your job, but you still ended up losing that job. And you're wondering, God, what happened? It may be one of those cases where you and I must simply still be able to say, God is still God. I want you to trust him for a new job. I want you to trust him for a new direction. You can still trust him. Put your confidence in him. Even if it appears as if the, the thing that you asked him for, he did not provide in the fashion you expected him to provide it. So listen, Daniel has all these fellow administrators and satraps now working against him. But to his testimony, the Bible says, they could not find any fault in Daniel, in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so, to find fault, that is. They, I'm reading now, um, verse number five, the middle of verse number five. They could not find corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Actually, I was reading number four. I'm reading verse number five now. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. May that be the constant in your life. That even when men and women, those around you, fake some things and they want to pull you down, they must be assured that when it comes to your confidence in God, they cannot take you down. Because you are not going down in your confidence with God. You are holding on to that confidence. You are holding on. You are saying, even if what you want to see done is not done, even if what an expected outcome does not happen, your position in the Lord remains. And this is where Daniel was at. So a decree was ordered. I'm sure you're familiar with the story. And after they ordered that decree, 
that no one should pray to anyone else. But again, follow the decree of the king here. The Bible in verse number 10 says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Knowing full well that if he's discovered praying, the result was him being thrown into the den of lions because the decree had been made that anyone who defies what the king had ordered would end up there. Verse number 11. Then these men went as a group. Beloved, I want you to know, sometimes you will be alone. And even in those moments when you are alone, your confidence in God must never change. Sometimes groups will come around against you to test your very commitment and confidence in God. Today, we're talking about that never changing, never shifting. So these men went as a group and found Daniel praying, asking God for help. So they went to the royal palace, to the king, and spoke about the royal decree. Did you not publish, they say to the king, a decree that during the next 30 days, 30 days, sounds like these lockdown issues. Anyone who prays to any God or accept or man except you, O king, would be thrown in the lion's den. The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be replaced. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king. Or pray, and he prays, he still prays, three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. The rest of the story is that we know Daniel is eventually thrown into the den of lions. Now, it is very clear that what Daniel, what one would have expected is that Daniel would hear the king come and say, you know, these people came and said I should throw you in the den of lions and I won't throw you into the den and so on. But they're exactly opposite. So what happened. He was thrown into the den. So up until that moment, the worst of those outcomes had come to pass. But Daniel's confidence in the Lord did not change. And of course we know that the Lord overruled that whole circumstance and Daniel was rescued eventually because those lions did not touch him. It is that positional moment where before the Lord comes back in to overrule or to turn circumstances around, he allows you and I to experience the worst. I want you to be prepared that in those moments you can say that confidence in the Lord is unchanged. You see, it's only in this respect that Romans 8 
would make sense. And it is only in this respect that prayer truly takes that place. That place that it becomes your anchor. It becomes your place of recharging that confidence in the Lord. It becomes a place where you receive the clarity. And when clarity is received, confidence is boosted. And beloved, I want us, as we face many circumstances in life, to be able to fulfill the will of the Lord by facing every circumstance in the fashion that he has ordained. So I, I want to wrap this up today by going to Romans 8. Just reading a portion of that because that's how this makes sense. And then I'll be ready for us to pause for a little more ministry that comes from song. And then we will close the time together. A very sobering session for you and I. So in light of all this, you and I can understand Romans 8, which we caught so often. Verse number 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good. So meaning, when we have the best of outcomes, God works for good. When we have the worst of outcomes, God works for good. That is the principle. That is the principle. And that's why our confidence remains in the Lord. And there must be that preparedness for the worst of outcomes. Any one time in our lives. So we know, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Who are called according to his purpose. So, best or worst, whatever happens, that is working for the good of those whom God has given a task to fulfill. And you are that person. You are that person that God has ordained to fulfill his tasks here on earth. And he has given you prayer as a key tool to enable you to fully experience his goodness and his, the fulfillment of his plan. And I want you to know you are not forgotten. I want you to know he is right there with you. He is working with you. And he's building in you the, the caliber, the capacity to be able to stand up and say, I know the Lord will provide. I know the Lord will deliver me. But even if he does not, he is still God. I have confidence in him. I want you to lead your family to higher heights for God. During these moments, I want us together as God's people to help our society to understand that God didn't have to prevent COVID-19 for us to think that he is truly God. He allowed it to come and even... Through this, he will work things out in a fashion where the instigators or whatever is behind this whole COVID cannot completely work against the plan of God over time. God overturns every little detail. And you are part of that plan. You are part of that plan. May your confidence rise. Well, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. You trust and place your confidence in the Lord, and let him continue to be your salvation. Have a preparedness for the best of outcomes, the 
the Lord is working with you. Have a preparedness for the worst of outcomes. The Lord is still working with you. And so, Genesis 50 verse 20, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Good is really what God intends when he allows you to face what you weren't expecting. Love him. Hold on to him. He's on your side. Be blessed.
Praise God. We cannot close this service without giving an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so if you've been yearning and looking for that opportunity, it is now. I want to help you by leading you uh, through a prayer. If you follow this prayer and mean every word from your heart, the depth of your heart, right now, you will have a new life starting in you. In, in, in you. And, and, and God will come and bless you. So um, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just please follow this, this prayer and uh, let me help you. Say, dear Lord, I come to you as a sinner. I realize that I've gone away from your commandments. Today I've heard your voice speaking to me, calling me back to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I repent and I turn away from my sins. I ask you, Jesus, to cleanse me, to come into my heart, be my Savior and my Lord, so that from today onwards, I will live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you for forgiving me my sins. And thank you for saving me. I'll follow you now and in the days to come. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, my dear friend, I want you to go to our website, www.notmeetassembly.org, or visit any of our social media platforms. Give your details, and somebody who is caring will be able to help you and take you to the next level of what God has ordained for your life. For the rest of us that have been listening today and have been hearing God's word, I want to pray for you, trusting that your confidence will continue to rise. Dear Lord, I ask now that you reach out to many of your children, families out there who during this period have been buffeted back and forth, not sure how to respond to the circumstances around them. I ask now that following the clarity that you've granted through the ministry of your words today, and as many have prayed, and have been in a place of looking to you. I ask that, Lord, you will boost their confidence and help them to understand they are not alone. In Jesus' holy name, so we repel every force that's been working against them so that those forces now would, would, would yield to the power of the King of kings and the Lord of lords because your word has been prophetically proclaimed over their lives for this very moment. So let your blessing now overtake and bring relief to your people. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. So thank you very much for joining us today. May the Lord bless you. Let's just uh, join our hearts as we do the benediction. The Lord bless you, keep you, and cover you. And all the redeemed of the Lord shall agree together by saying, surely goodness and mercy wholeness, identity, and destiny shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'll feast at the table spread for me as I fix my eyes on Jesus, the Lamb of God, the author and finisher of our faith and our great high priest. In Jesus' name, amen. Till next week, we come again.